Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, you guys, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Monday, October 14th. This is episode number 831. It's Mailbox Monday. We're going to tackle a lot of issues today that have to do with how do our children relate to the culture and do we or do we not shelter them from bad influences, that kind of thing. Also have the classic question about Halloween. Lots of stuff to talk about. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, everybody. So thanks for tuning in today. I'm so happy that you guys are here. Thank you so much for leaving reviews for the podcast over at iTunes. I keep telling you guys, I feel like I've got the best podcast audience in the whole wide world. And today is no different. Want to thank you for the last couple of reviews that have been coming in for sure. I thought I'd read them to you. This mama said, Heidi, thank you for unashamedly standing up for the gospel and bringing the light into family and culture structure. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. This mama said, Heidi and team, this podcast has been life changing for me. I have always been a Christian, but up until about six months ago, I was thrown into some extremely serious and difficult heartache. As I've grown spiritually, I stumbled across your podcast. I'm a mom, a wife, and a public school teacher. So almost every single podcast resonates with me in some way, shape, or form. You speak so much truth, and the conviction I feel to get off the bench each time I listen is astounding. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for speaking on hard topics. Thank you for your encouragement. I look forward to each and every podcast as it fills my 40-minute commute with God's truth, and for that, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for that review. Uh, I've told you guys before, there were many, you know, Jane, I've been doing this podcast for a long time, for many years, actually. And the first couple of years that we did it, we were like, is anybody listening? <laughs> and now I'm obviously into the 800s. We know that the podcast is resonating. And our heart here is to turn your heart back to the Bible, to say that God's word is relevant and God wants to be an intimate part of your life. He doesn't want to be a backpack that you put on and take off, you know, on Sundays and we do our little Sunday thing. Uh, God doesn't want that. And we don't want that either as God's children. And so... I wanted to just encourage you, keep leaving those reviews, share the podcast. If you got social media, share it on social media. We're going to be answering a lot of your questions today. And if you want questions addressed here at the podcast, please send them to me via my website, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. That's all one word. There are lots and lots of questions sitting in the in the hopper right now, and I'm trying to get to them as quickly as I can, but we want them to keep coming, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, you have a chance when you go to mailbox Monday, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, you have a chance to let me know what kind of shows you want to hear. And so we love to hear from you, and our sponsors love to hear from you too, because it helps us connect 
podcasts with sponsors. And speaking of sponsors, we had a great time last weekend at the Vancouver event. You really should join me in 2020 for one of my Faith That Speaks Women's Conference. My staff is working out the final details for the upcoming tour, so the 2020 tour. So be sure to watch my event calendar, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events for the dates and locations. Also, if you're interested in hosting my women's conference at your church, please take a minute to complete the speaker request form on the website as well, because I'd love to come hug your neck and love on the women in your area. Speaking of loving on women, on October the 19th, I'm going to be speaking at the Women's Day of Encouragement in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'd love to see you there. You can find out more information about that event at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. All right, I want to jump into your questions today because there are lots of them, and I try to sort of I guess group some of them together because I'm getting lots of questions that that really will go back to some core truths that we need to know from the Word of God. So I'm going to jump in. The first question comes from Bridget. Hey, Bridget. Hey, girl. She said, we listen to your podcast regularly on our morning walks. I want to thank you for always encouraging me on my journey as a mother who serves God and wants to raise my children to know God and make him known. We are a military family. We've made lifelong friends everywhere we have moved, and now we're being faced with a new struggle. I would describe myself as very conservative and a somewhat strict mother. What? (laughs) And I'm now being faced with neighbors on all sides who don't share the same values, morals, or even Christianity that we do as a family. I'm struggling with how to tell my neighbors no when they consistently ask if my daughter can play with their children or hang out. So that's part of her question. A similar question came in from a listener whose name is Leslie. She says, Heidi, I'm so torn. I'm struggling with something. I'd love you to weigh in on it. We have six young children, ages 2 to 11. We've been homeschooling from the beginning. I love so many things about homeschooling. And one of the biggest things is that we've been afforded the opportunity to get our children firmly planted and shelter them from so many things prevalent in the culture today. However, as they're getting older, my tweens have developed relationships with kids in the neighborhood. And most of these kids come from families who are not believers and have very different values. I'm torn between loving our neighbors well and wanting to just run away and move to the country to avoid having neighbors all together. I love it. Okay. So I think every one of us is, I mean, even those of us who live in neighborhoods, every once in a while, we're just like, can we just live in, you know, Antarctica for a little while and maybe pull it back to mellow and quiet? Uh, She goes on to say, my older ones especially are being exposed to foul language, crass jokes, and loads of worldly culture, and it's making my heart sick, but it doesn't seem right for me to say, sorry, all you heathen kids, you can't play with my amazing, fun-loving kids. All right. So... Uh, she goes on to say a few more things, but I think I get the gist of the question. So let's talk about this for just a second, because the Bible tells us repeatedly that we will eventually, and actually it's inevitable, that we're going to be like the people that we spend time with. Remember the Bible says in Luke 640 that when a student is fully trained, he will be like what? He'll be like his teacher. This is why I'm always telling you, you know, this idea that somehow we're not going to be affected by the negative things that are being taught to our children in the public school, even in a, a, a school that claims to be Christian, but they're not actually doing what God asked them to do. It's it's very important that we recognize that outside influences matter. And so the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, verse 20, that if we walk with the wise, we will become wise. But check it out. 
a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, this is something we've been telling our kids for a long time. You know, I've I've answered similar questions of this over the years here at the podcast. And as a mother who still has an eight-year-old at home, so I've got eight all the way up to 28. I've got a six-year-old grandson now. And I've been telling my my daughters, my older children for sure, well, our sons, all of our kids, for a, a long time, they know the verse, a companion of fool suffers harm. If I, if I see my kids hanging around a child, you know, a, a bad decision is one thing, but it can, but to be constantly bombarding them with, oh, don't tell your mom that, and uh, your mom doesn't need to know this, and that actually really gets my goat. You want to bum me out? Uh, say that to my kids, right? And I always tell my kids, the minute somebody says that to you, it's probably something I actually do need to know about. The Bible says a companion of fools will suffer harm, and actually tons of Proverbs, uh, a lot of Proverbs deals with this theme. It warns young and the foolish to avoid similarly foolish companions. And so I don't want my kids to hang out with fools, and I also don't want them to be the fool that pulls another child down. And so we don't we don't want to take the Proverbs, you know, so hardcore that we become, you know, legalistically uh, engaging with Proverbs. But the Proverbs point us to the truth of God's word. If you spend time with a person, you're going to begin to resemble that person. And perhaps you're not going to resemble the person uh, in every single way, but absolutely in attitude and in spirit, you will. And I've seen this in our own kids over and over again. I've seen this in my own life. And sometimes I realize, oh, my goodness, uh, this isn't this isn't good for me. And this is especially true of our kids as they get older. And so, mom, if you're if in your spirit, you're like, this isn't good for my kids, particularly when you begin to notice your child struggling with their language, your child struggling to be rather than being an example and lifting those other kids up, they're being pushed down. It's time to pull the plug. And I would say you don't need to go to your neighbor and say, yeah, we're going to pull the plug on this friendship because my kids are really cool and godly and your kids are not. No, please don't do that. All right. Please don't be that mom. Please don't be that Christian. Uh, I just think you need to be very tender about the way that you shape who your children are hanging around. And so in our lives over these you know, 28 years of parenting, usually when I notice that there's a child who's becoming a bad influence on my child, I will start scheduling things around that relationship that make it impossible or at least more difficult for my kids to engage. And you have that responsibility. You really do. The Bible over and over and over again. Proverbs 22 verses 24 and 25, make no friendship with a man given to anger. Don't go to a person who's prone to anger because you'll learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 12, 26, one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. I'm gonna say that again. Don't be deceived. In other words, don't think that it that it doesn't matter who your kids are hanging out with. It absolutely matters. And if you notice that your child is the one who is pulling other kids down, who is being the influence that you hoped they had not to be, then it's time to pull that child aside and do more discipling before you let them hang out with other kids. It's really true. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Facebook, anyone? Proverbs 22, 24, make no friendship with a man who's given to anger. 14, verse 6, one who is wise and cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Over and over and over uh, in God's word, 
we read about the importance of friendship. And so when you feel discouraged and frustrated and you and in you know your spirit is troubled by the kids that your kids are hanging out with, at the end of the day, you guys, I promise you, 15 years from now, you're not going to be going, man, I sure wish I'd have let my kids hang out with the neighbors. I wonder what the neighbors think of me. No, you won't be doing that. But you will be heavily invested in and watching the fruit of either good parenting or poor parenting, good shepherding or poor shepherding in the lives of your children. This is why the school system is why I'm always talking about education. Uh, It's not benign. And neither are the kids that we allow our kids to hang out with. So that's a great question. Again, I'm going to always just send you back to the word. I'm going to link back to in the show notes today an entire an article on this, which I quoted a little bit of just a minute ago, and also some verses that you can go back to. Pray over those verses and ask the Lord to give you wisdom. All right, next question comes from a listener who says, how can I encourage our three-year-old son to want to pray? There are times when he's eager to pray, like before eating, but other times he doesn't want to, or he'll pray a scripted prayer. Okay, so here, here, Mama, I just want to say a couple things to you. Let me start out with this. Your son is three. He's three. And so... There's times that my three-year-olds, you know, wanted to eat and times they didn't want to eat, times they wanted to pray and times I didn't want to pray. And I, I think the main thing, I love your question because it really reflects that you have a desire to see your son walk with the Lord and to influence him to get to know and walk with the Lord. So I love your question, which is why I'm answering it at the podcast. And so I noticed that you're placing a very high value on um, teaching your son how to have a conversation with the Lord. And this is something that we're talking about at Mom Strong International this month, the whole month of October, dedicated to the topic of prayer. And we're actually teaching you how to engage your children in prayer. So you can check that out at momstronginternational.com. Download the scripture writing challenge first and then sign up for the Bible study. You guys are going to love it. That community continues to grow over there. And this is a great time. John Piper answered this question. I I found this. I thought it was interesting. Here's a a question that came in for John Piper. Should children be taught to pray even if they haven't professed faith? Hmm, That's a good question. This is what he said. He said, yes, I think we should teach our children to pray as soon as they can say anything. I can't discern when a child is being spiritually wrought upon the Lord. I can't tell precisely when his faith becomes his own and authentic. I don't want to wait too long before I start treating him as a believer, right? So practically, it seems the right thing to put the vocabulary of prayer into a child's mouth from the very beginning. That way, when he does become a Christian and when his faith is born, he has a whole vocabulary and orientation and a habit that the Lord can use. And so parents have responsibility to build the disciplines of the Christian life into our children from the very beginning, all the while praying that they are going to grow up and mean what they say. They might mean it at age two. They might not. You just don't know. And so Tim Challies uh, went off of that, and he said, I consider what John Piper said to be wise counsel, and especially this, pray that they are going to grow up and mean what they say. And so we can acknowledge the likelihood that our children are praying if they are Christians before they are Christians, all right? Which is, that's the nature of teaching children. And I think it's a more important, and I'll link back to the article today, is on chalice.com. I thought it was really well written and thought through and a very good use of scripture. And I also think it's important for, you know, those of you who have young children, I think sometimes you know, we can push our children to doing things that they're not ready to do or even uncomfortable. It's much more powerful for them to see you engaging in prayer. And so you can invite your children to pray with you. I wouldn't force them to pray. I I think that's bad form. 
and it it gives this sort of I think a picture of God that's not healthy for our children. So I would I'm more inclined to pull my little ones up onto my lap and say, hey, mom is going to pray. Why don't you come and pray with me? And then I'll be like, I'm just talking to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this little one sitting on my lap right now. She's so precious to me, Lord. I thank you that I get to be her mama. I love her so much. And I know you love her too. Lord, we have some things we got to get done today and we need your help. So let them hear you talking to the Lord. And then you can start to ask them, would you like to pray today? And if they say no, don't, don't push it. All right. Um, the most important thing I think that you can do is to be that example uh, for your kids. And and uh, I think that has more weight in the long run. All right. That was a great question. Thanks for asking it. Heidi, I tune in every time your podcast is available. I love that you speak out on subjects that many are afraid to speak out on. I have two questions today and I'll deal with your first one first. At what age is it appropriate to introduce the topic of abortion? I've been wanting to watch the movie Unplanned, but not sure if it's okay to let my littles who are seven and five. All right. So first of all, um, I think you introduce the topic of abortion when it comes up naturally. So if your child hears about it or if they see something and you can, you know, I, I remember all of our kids have asked about it at different ages. And uh, this is a very, uh, unfortunately, our, our culture has been desensitized to the barbaric practice because abortion is barbaric in nature. And so when you talk about abortion, just know that you're talking about something that's very barbaric, right? The dismemberment of a living human being, a baby, no less. Uh, it's it's horrible. And so I'm very tender with my kids are little, uh, seven and five. Certainly my seven-year-olds know about abortion, but they see it in the culture and I speak on the topic and I've been sort of at the forefront of the pro-life movement for a long time. I would not have a five or seven-year-old watch the movie Unplanned. Um, I watched that with my teenagers. All of my kids are teenagers now or adults except for one, and she's eight years old. And we watched that movie in our home, and I didn't realize how graphic the abortion scene was going to be. And had I known that, I would not have had my eight-year-old in the room. I feel like she was a little bit traumatized by it. So, Because by the time I realized, oh, this is happening, and she can't deal with it, she'd already seen most of it. And so I just, I think there are lots of ways. I think we talk to our children about the preciousness of human life, and this is the foundation for the discussion. Not, this is what's happening in the culture, but God loves us. From the moment we're conceived, he loves us. And he has a plan for our life. And as they begin to ask questions, answer them, all right? But be careful because your kids are tender. And I think, you know, we're allowing our kids to watch horror movies. We're exposing them to all kinds of, you know, unspeakable garbage in the public schools and on television and on video and on social media. And so I would say be tender with your children. They get one shot at being a a child. Um, I like to answer questions honestly, but I I also want to be tender and tenderhearted toward my children. So ask the Lord to give you uh, that tenderness. And then the next question is about fasting. What is your biblical perspective on the right thing to do? Our church has seriously fallen under a spirit of suppression. It's like no one wants to learn, so it's become a social gathering. Yep. That's church in the United States right now. Uh, I've tried to leave several times and find a new home church, but surprise, I wind up back. Man, it's been heavy laden on my best friend and I. Like the Lord doesn't want us to leave, but find a way to restore. I feel like it's going to take a serious battle, like a fast is needed, but I want to do it the right way. I'd love to hear her wisdom. So this is about fasting. A couple of things you need to know, and I'll link back to some great, uh, a great article for you at gotquestions.org. Uh, scripture does not command Christians to fast. Okay, God does not require it. He doesn't demand it. At the same time, the Bible does 
talk about fasting in a very positive light, right? Acts 13, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Uh, It's important to note that when we fast, what we're doing every time we're hungry, the whole idea is instead of eating, we deny ourselves and and we go, I'm hungry. And it prompts us to come before the Lord. Acts 14, verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Look at the faith of the of the uh, early church. Um, fasting and prayer are often linked together. And it sounds to me like you've got a lot to pray about. Luke 2, verse 37, the second part says, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. And then Luke 5, 33, and they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so did the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. So he's asking questions about fasting. And I think so often in the church, uh, the focus is on the lack of, you know, it's on denying ourselves. But like I said a minute ago, really the purpose is every time that we, we want to eat, uh, we are reminded to focus instead on the Lord. And this is a way to demonstrate to the Lord that we're serious about our relationship with him. And I think fasting can often help us gain just a reminder that we rely on the Lord. And so fasting is a good thing. Don't become legalistic about it, uh, but it's a good thing to engage in. And I think the church, we would do well uh, to be fasting. I wonder what happened uh, politically if the church said, you know, what, we're going to take, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday and fast and pray together. We shouldn't be bragging. I mean, this is what the Pharisees did, right? Watch me. I'm going to go to my prayer closet. Ha, ha, ha. You know, the me monster came out. I think oftentimes we fast. It should be done in private. We don't need to announce that we're doing it. But we, we're trying to grow in our spiritual discipline. So that was a great, great question. Again, I love your heart. I love these questions that are coming in, just demonstrating to me a hunger for uh, listeners who really want to know uh, the Lord better. All right, I'm going to... I'm going to address the question. I'm over time today, but I've got so many of these sitting in the hopper. I feel like I'm never going to get to them. So I'm going to address one more today. Should Christians participate in a Halloween? All right. So this question comes up every year. Every year I give the same answer. I'm going to give it again uh, this year. People want to know, is it okay for my kids to dress up in cute costumes just to have fun? Um, I don't want my kids to feel left out at school if everybody else is dressed up. And uh, there's a lot of different. So this is an area of freedom. Right. I know you guys are going to ask me about Christmas next, and I've already talked about yoga. So let me just, I'm going to give you a little bit of history of Halloween. All right. And first of all, I think it's also important for you guys to know Americans are going to spend $8 billion on Halloween this year. Just let that sit. And so uh, there's a lot of, I mean, we can talk about this forever. Um, uh, John MacArthur has a great article at Grace to You. Uh, I love the ministry of John MacArthur. Some, there's some things he does that I don't appreciate, but there's probably things that I do that he doesn't appreciate. But I actually really did appreciate this, and I'm going to read it to you. He said, first, Christians should not respond to Halloween like superstitious pagans. Pagans are superstitious. Christians, on the other hand, are enlightened by the truth of God's word. Evil spirits are no more active and sinister on Halloween than they are any other day of the year. And in fact, any day is a good day for Satan to prowl around seeking who he might devour, right? This is First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that we have an adversary who prowls around like the devil looking for someone to devour. But the Bible says in First John chapter 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. God has forever 
disarmed principalities and powers through the cross of Christ, and he has made, according to Colossians 2, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through Christ. Okay, so second, Christians should respond to Halloween with cautionary wisdom. Some people fear the activity of Satanists or pagan witches, but you guys, the actual incidence of Satan-associated crime is very low. The real threat on Halloween is from social problems that attend sinful behavior, drunk driving, pranksters, vandals, unsupervised children, like any other day of the year. Christians should exercise caution as wise stewards of their possessions and protectors of their families. Christian young people should stay away from secular Halloween parties since those are breeding grounds for trouble, like you do any other day of the year. All right. Christian parents can protect their children by keeping them well supervised and restricting treat consumption to uh, things that they get from trusted sources. All right. Third, uh, Christians should respond to Halloween with gospel compassion. And this is what I loved so much about this article. The unbelieving, Christ-rejecting world lives in perpetual fear of death. Listen up, you guys. It isn't just the experience of death, but rather what the Bible calls a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume God's adversaries. That's in Hebrews 10, 27. So witches, ghosts, evil spirits, those are not terrifying. God's wrath unleashed on an unforgiven sinner, that is actually truly terrifying. And so Christians should use Halloween and all that it brings with it to the imagination, death, superstition, um, expressions of debauched revelry as an opportunity to engage the unbelieving world with the gospel of Jesus. God has given everyone a conscience that responds to his truth. That's Romans 2 verses 14 to 16. And the conscience is the Christian's ally in the evangelistic enterprise. So Christians should take time to inform the consciences of friends and family with the bi- with biblical truth regarding God, the Bible, sin, and our hope of eternal life in Jesus. So I guess the bottom line for our family has always been this. Uh, we don't, you know, turn our lights off and, you know, close our doors and, you know, stay away, you sinners. You know, we actually, we like to hand out the best things that we can possibly afford and talk to as many people as we can that come to our door. Hi, how are you? Oh my goodness, I love your I love your outfit. Unless we don't love it. And then we just go, hi, how are you? Wow. <laughs> That's actually terrifying. But I want them to see a smile on my face and hope in my eyes. And for some of us, this is going to be the only time our, our neighbors are ever going to come to our house. They may never come back. And so uh, use it to be an example of Jesus. Don't be that person that just, you know shuts their doors and I'm not going to welcome in the sinner. No, that I just don't think that's what Jesus would have done. And so, uh, you know, open your doors, let your kids greet people that come to the door and be kind, be kind. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So lots of people have differing opinions on this. Again, it's an area of freedom. This is my opinion as I see it laid out in scripture This is the conclusion that my husband and I have come to. This is how we participate. And I hope that it encourages you and at least causes you to think. I will link back to some articles I think might be helpful in the show notes today. And I'm over time. But thank you guys so much for listening today. We love hearing your comments. So please, if you've got a question for Mailbox Monday, just go ahead to to, uh, my website, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. You can submit your questions and give us your feedback at that form. Also, don't forget, I'm going to be 
in Lincoln, Nebraska coming up. It's not too far away from now, the 19th. So come on out and see me. Listen, you guys, our podcast today was sponsored by our friends at Evangelical Christian Credit Union. You've been hearing me talk about them. Uh, We are so thankful for their partnership, and I want to just encourage you to check them out. ECCU wants to give families the tools they need to successfully teach their children sound financial practices. And that's a large part of what we're doing here at the podcast. I wanna help you teach your children sound biblical practices for a sound biblical foundation because we're trying to prepare our kids for adulthood. And with ECCU, kids have access to online banking, a mobile app, a debit card that they can use in person or online, and no monthly or overdraft fees. Do you guys get that? No overdraft fees. I wish they did that for me. (laughs) Uh, We've all made money mistakes, right? And so what we want to do is help our children learn sound financial skills. This is an invaluable gift that we can give them. One more time, no overdraft fees. I'm going to leave that one right there. Learn more at eccu.org forward slash Heidi. Thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate you listening, appreciate your reviews and hearing from you over at the website. And we're just so encouraged by what God's doing in your life. Stay faithful, and I'll see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.